been working our way through the story. If this is your first time at CLF or if you're new, we've been working our way through the Bible when it comes to stories, like a narrative. And I, I joked around with the staff that they give me the most generic ones. They give me David. What are you gonna, There's 100,000 sermons you could preach on David. Then we got the birth of Christ. Now we got the resurrection. Like, I could just say, yeah, Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. <laughs> like... I, I, we've got a sermon. I'm going to kind of dive into this some and how the resurrection should affect us because it is the major thing in Scripture that we're going to go over. And uh, we're going to watch a clip from a nice theological movie here in a minute. If you know me, that's a joke. Um, so, but first, I want to start with the way that we always do with this. Um, we're going to actually, first, you know what? I'm going to pray because I think sometimes on Sunday, um, Two different extremes we could have when we walk in here on Sunday. The first extreme could be checklist. We get caught in the rut, and it's Sunday, it's 9 o'clock, we're going to get the kids ready, we're going to go to church, we walk in, we listen to a sermon, we go home, when in all actuality, this is a uh, moment. The Holy Spirit's been talking to me a lot about decisive moments. This is a moment, and you have no clue in 10 years if you might look back to right now as something changes, but you know how that's not going to happen? is if we're so stuck in the rut of doing, doing, going, going, and our minds are turned off and our ears are closed to what the Holy Spirit's going to tell us. So I want to pray first that the Holy Spirit opens our, opens our ears, gives us some peace for a moment, that you don't have to worry about everything else you walked in here with just for the next half an hour, okay? I, I, I want you to be able to listen to the Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit's telling you something not, not, I'm not even preaching, flip, flip pages of your notebook. Notice I'm assuming you have a notebook. Flip pages and write something on the back page. Holy Spirit's telling me this. I need to go apply that this week. So I'm going to pray towards that direction. Lord Jesus, Lord, I'm asking, I'm asking this morning that we take a breath. Because <clears throat> as the song says, it's your breath in our lungs. But it's funny how we think that we own it and we control our time, when in all actuality, you're the one who even gives us the time to think that we do. And you've given us free will, and we get to choose all these things, but it's, it's, it's really interesting to me, Lord, how you gave sinful creation the choice on whether or not to come to an almighty God that created us in the first place. And I, I'm really in awe of that this morning. Lord, I'm asking this morning that the breath that's yours, that you put in our lungs, and the time that you've given us on this planet that you made, I'm asking that we give the next few minutes to you and that we breathe, that we don't worry about the little things in our lives that we're, zo that we're zoomed in on. I'm asking that we zoom out and see a bigger picture of the gospel and to major on the things that are truly important in our Christian walk and not on the little things that take all our attention and our stress. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So first things first, let's watch chapter 27, these videos. Don't you love these videos? It's a great way to get started, so watch this. Short, sweet, to the point. We're going to be talking about a lot of different things today, but I want you to realize one thing is central. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the center point to our belief system. We're going to talk about 1 Corinthians 15 in a moment um, after we watch another video from a theologically accurate movie here, but here's, here's what I want you to hear in everything we talk about this morning, because again, we're going to be talking about several different things, and I'm, I'm going to bring it all back in the end, but I want the overarching theme that's going through your mind to be this, what do I believe, I'm going to reword this, what do I choose to believe about the death and the resurrection 
of Jesus Christ. Because we can get caught up on so many things. If you want a title for this morning, it's going to be majoring on minors. Because it's so easy in our culture today. The status quo is to major and spend so much of our time and our mental energy on things that have little to no eternal significance. And that's going to be the idea of what we're going to talk about. And what happens, what's the danger of majoring on minors and kind of forgetting the facts. Just like Pastor Mark preached a couple of weeks ago, Jesus said, who do you say that I am? And what is your belief on the death and resurrection of Jesus? Let me give you a little bit of preface before we play this theologically accurate video here. The movie is High School Musical. If you're wondering, I adore those movies. I know every word of every song. I'm a youth, I'm a youth pastor. I think it's a requirement. Um, along with gel hair and skinny jeans, I'm not doing either. So I guess I'm a terrible youth pastor, right? So High School Musical, here's the idea if you've never seen the movie. Um, you've got a jock and a nerd who decide randomly that they're going to try out for a musical. Well, that's not really accepted to get outside of the status quo, right? If you're a nerd, you need to stay a nerd. If you're a jock, you need to stay a jock, right? <laughs> Carly's going nuts back there. This is kind of fun. <laughs> so, <laughs> and everybody turns. So, so here's the idea. This scene you're about to see is what happens when living outside the status quo starts to spread. Starts to spread. One jock says, you know what? If Troy can tell his secret, I'm going to tell mine. I love to bake. Another one of the, one of the nerds, quote unquote, says, you know what? I, I kind of like hip hop. And one of the guys that likes skateboarding says, you know, I play the cello. And you know what everybody else around them says? No, stick to the stuff you know. It is better by far to leave things as they are. Don't mess with the flow. I love the idea of an allegory, because an allegory is a story that shares a real-world scenario of what's really going on. And what I want you to see is towards the end of this, there's kind of, and again, for those who have seen the movie, Sharpay is kind of in control of the school, and she wants to keep the status quo the way it is. And it's really interesting to me how she says, we got to get things back where they belong. And I'm going to kind of lead in, because I want you to see where I'm going with this. You're walking up outside of the status quo with the resurrection of Jesus Christ and going, look, you know what you're going to be told? Stick to the status quo. Stick to the status quo. What are you doing? That sets you different. That makes you strange. Watch this clip. You know my favorite part of that? <laughs> I told my wife I was going to play that clip. She's like, how are you tying the resurrection of Jesus in with High School Musical? You know what we're called to do? Creme brulee. Keep your voice down low. Not another peep. Not another sound. Not another word. Everybody quiet. Culture is screaming at you to ignore the things that you are called to believe as a center point of your faith. I, I get chills every time at the end, and I didn't notice it until this time. I was, I was teaching some of the MSP leaders this morning about, it's interesting how the Holy Spirit can speak to you if you're listening through anything in your life. And you know what was interesting that time when I watched the clip during the musical number, and I, I know the whole thing was musical number, when there's no singing, he breaks out his cello in the middle of them dancing about the status quo. You know what I thought of? Jesus said, be in the world. Don't be of the world. They're not dancing. They're doing what they're called to do when they're called to do it. So here's the point. Again, 
The resurrection of Jesus is what sets us apart from everybody else. The status quo of today, we can go on to the next slide here. Let, let's read some scripture. Open up your Bibles if you've got them to 1 Corinthians 15. I love 1 Corinthians 15 because people forget that it's even in the Bible. <laughs> in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul writes this. Um, I say scathing. It's not scathing. It's just very blunt, very straightforward. And we're going to read first verses 3 through 8. Then we're going to read verses uh, 12 through 19. So here it is. 1 Corinthians 15, chapter 3. For I de- and I'm reading out of the New King James. For I declared to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, who was Peter, then by the twelve. After that, he- now... Here's something else people often forget. We say, well, he showed himself to Thomas, showed himself to Mary. Watch this, verse 6. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present. In other words, they're still alive, although some have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. Then last of all, he was seen by me also, as by one born out of due time. Verse 12. So that was him almost announcing what happened. Now he says this in verse 12. Now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some of how do some among you say there is no resurrection of the dead? Now listen, but if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. In verse 14, and if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. You know what that is? That's a major. That's a major. If Christ didn't raise from the, from the dead, our preaching is empty. Verse 15, yes, and we, and this is if Christ has not been raised, okay? Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he did raise up Christ, whom he did not raise up if, in fact, the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. We'll just end at verse 17. That is huge, and we need to realize that can be defined as a major, right? That's a major thing in our lives that we've got to, number one, we've got to believe. Now, here's the cool thing. Who do you say that I am? That's a choice. I love that sermon a couple weeks ago that Pastor Mark preached, in my opinion, was the best one I've ever heard him do. And I love how he quoted C.S. Lewis that said, Jesus can't be just a good guy. He cannot be just a prophet. The claims that he made, there's only three choices. He is a liar, he is an out-of-his-mind lunatic, or he is the Lord and Savior of all creation. That's the only three options. And here's the cool part, you get to choose. It's your choice which you believe. And in the same way, and I think my next slide has it, I believe the three things. There are only so many majors in Christianity. So who do you say that I am? And, and again, please understand me when I say this. This is oversimplifying to a point, okay? I know that there's other important doctrines and theology, so that's a disclaimer. But I think so often... We have fallen into the cultural trap of majoring on things that don't really matter instead of focusing on the things that really do and then chasing our purpose that he put us here to do. Is that making sense? That's the whole idea this morning, is be careful, big red warning sign, of falling into the trap of getting too far off base of these three things. Who do you say that Jesus is? Your choice and what you believe. Now, your choice doesn't change the facts. We just got to, we got to say that, right? It doesn't really matter what we believe. It happened. He is the Lord and Savior. But for your personal eternal salvation, you got to choose that.
Okay, And then third, the idea of your choice to develop a lifestyle based on the principles of Jesus. We'll talk about this later, but John 14, 15, like Brian talked about, if you love me, obey my commands. That's the majors of Christianity. There's a lot of other things we could bring in, but um, it's interesting because the status quo of today seems to be people majoring on minors. Um, try to stick to my notes here. Everyone seems to be fighting for, fighting against, defending, debating, and focusing on things that have little to no eternal value. Um, somebody told me recently about a video that's out there right now, and I'm not a big YouTube guy because YouTube is a trap because you watch one YouTube, I'm only going to watch one video, and all of a sudden something on the right catches your eye, and two hours later, you've seen 14 cat videos, right? It's way too easy, so I try to stay off. But somebody told me about this thing out there right now, of this guy who is juggling three Rubik's Cubes and solving them as he's juggling. I'm like, that's pretty cool. But you know where my mind's been going recently? How much of your life did you spend mastering juggling, mastering solving Rubik's Cubes, and solving that? Cool, you've got how many hits on a YouTube channel? And when you're standing before Christ one day, he's going to say, I gave you 60 years. What did you do with it? Watch. Right? Now, and, and, and please understand me, this is not exactly a criticism on solving Ruby's Cubes. Feel free. That's fine. If, the guy, if, that's, if that's the mark this guy wants to leave on the world, he's, he's free. And I, and I don't want that to be a criticism of him. I'm saying my time is a gift from Almighty God, and I want to use it majoring on the things that are important that have eternal value. Does that mean I never watch anything? I never solve a Rubik's Cube? I still can't solve one. I've been trying to this day. I still can't do it. I might try. I might have some fun. But I think it's so easy for us to fall into that. My favorite quote of all time is attributed to D.L. Moody. He says, our greatest fear as humans should not be a failure. It should be of, our greatest fear should be of succeeding at something that doesn't truly matter. Of succeeding at something that doesn't truly matter, that has no eternal significance. The death and resurrection of Christ is what flies in the face of the status quo. Everybody else lives their lives for themselves. They live and they live. You realize what Jesus did was complete sacrifice, had nothing to do with himself. Can we understand the death and resurrection? The death of Christ was not good for him. Is that pretty obvious? The death of Christ was not good for him. And the resurrection was for you. The resurrection was for us. And that's what flies in the face. In the Christian world, it's funny because we tend to do the same. Um, we, we tend to focus on the same minors, things like baptism, worship styles, speaking in tongues, definition of the Trinity, denominations, healing, how much money is too much, Calvinism versus Arminianism, eternal security, all these things, do they matter? Sure. Let's talk about it. You need to have your doctrine and theology right according to your study of the Scripture, but, but it's very dangerous to fall into a cultural trap because everybody else is doing it. Everybody else is in the song and dance that we saw up there. And we forget that our job is not to sing and dance. Our job is to provide creme brulee to a hurting and dying world. That's what we're called to do. There's a purpose why we've been put here. And majoring on the majors is important. Please realize this. I've heard it said that the enemy's goal is to destroy you. I'm not going to argue with that. I'm going to add to it. Because I don't believe that's completely correct. Because the reason he's trying to destroy you is to stall the spread of the kingdom of God. Why is, why, why is Satan who he is? 
He's Satan because he was a created being who was so selfish that he said, God, you shouldn't be on that throne. I should be on that throne. So his goal is to stall that kingdom from spreading. And his easiest way to do that is to destroy you. But what if he can't? Hey, Chris, I'm pretty strong. I'm not in outright sin. You know, the second way he's going to do that is he's going to distract you from your purpose. He's going to distract you from your purpose. If he can get you majoring on minors, then guess what? He's stalled the spread of the kingdom of God. You know, I wish, I've heard it said one time that I wish our watches, we don't even carry them anymore. I wish we carried them. And I wish that instead of digital numbers, it had an hourglass with sand falling through to the bottom, but the top totally blacked out. Because we have no clue how much time we have. I think if our watches were like that, we might be a little more careful on how much time we spent arguing minor things that really have no eternal significance. Does that make sense? Um, Laura, was, Laura was funny. We've been on this movie example kick all week. She's like, it's like in Hunger Games. I'm like, oh, great. I've got stick to the status quo from High School Musical. Now let's throw in Hunger Games. There's one point in Hunger Games where these kids are trying to survive and they get, they get caught fighting these monkey things, right? But you know what Laura said? She said, they could have stayed and fought the monkeys their whole lives. But the monkeys weren't the purpose. It was to leave. So they ultimately had to stop doing what was distracting them and get out. Satan will try his best to get you to major on minors like everybody else around you is doing, and if he can, and so please understand, this is not, I don't mean this at all this morning to, for you to, um, I hate having to give disclaimers, man. I, I, wish, I wish we could just do what Paul does. Here's some meat. Take it. <laughs> um, this is not meant to criticize, condemn any entertainment or anything. Just please understand when I say, if you have chosen to commit your... If Jesus is Lord, I think we've totally forgotten what that means, is I guess what I'm saying. When he's Lord, I don't have every right to waste all of my time on minors. I sit at my job and I listen to people sing and stick to the status quo who are arguing Trump, no Trump, Obama, no Obama, all these things that they can't control, and I'm like, your attitude stinks. You want to fix that? Well, I sure wish we would do this with the wall and deportation. That's great. Why don't you fix your love towards other people? Like, like we're, we're made. So here's where I'm going. Talking about the minors isn't bad until the minors become more important and taking up more time than the majors. That's when it gets dangerous. Our belief in the death and resurrection of Christ cannot get buried under a sea of non-essential. So what's the danger? So what if I spend a lot of time on the minors? What does it really hurt, right? Let's just go one, one at a time. First of all, what does it hurt? We're not focusing on our purpose. You were put here for a reason. That reason is not fill in the blank. Because I feel like, I, I, it's, it's interesting because I feel like, I feel like when sermons are preached these days, we listen in defense mode. Is this fair that I go here for a minute? Because I, 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 I'm, I'm literally feeling this morning like I can't say what I want to say because somebody's going to go, well, I think I like that. There's, no, there's nothing wrong with that. And, and again, this has nothing to do with you. Maybe it's just my head. Just do me a favor this morning. Let's, let, I'm going to read some scripture. We're going to dive into some stuff. Can, can I just, 
can we just challenge ourselves that maybe there's a better use of our time and our lives than we're currently doing? Is that, I mean, is, is that fair? That's all I'm at. I'm not criticizing. I'm not meaning to put anything down. I'm simply asking us, is there a better use of our time for the kingdom of God, for the big picture, major purposes that we're here for? Colossians chapter 3. I want you to turn with me in your Bible to Colossians 3. We're going to use every single bit of Colossians 3 this morning in different places because this is a powerful chapter. By the way, in case you, I can never keep them straight either. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. I can never keep those straight. Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. No, no, no. Actually, we're not going to go there yet. Ah, oh, that's my second point. I really want to get to Colossians, man. I'm like, in fact, you know what? I think I actually was supposed to read that at the beginning. Let's, let's go to Colossians chapter 3. <laughs> they're going nuts back there because they're like, I, skip, I skipped that slide already. Follow, follow along with me here. If you don't have your Bible on you, bring it next week. But Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4 says this. If then you were raised with Christ... Remember, we're starting that Christ was raised. If you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. I love Colossians 3. So here's where I'm going with the focus on the purpose here. If we are zoomed in, to, to, to situations too closely, we start losing our purpose. Have you ever seen those things online where it's zoomed in, you have no clue what it is, and you got to figure out what it is? I got a few up here, so next slide. Let's guess what this is. And you may be able to figure it out, but what is that? Huh? Nick Penhill. Next slide. It is bacon. <laughs> I think Nick asked for a bacon wallet for Christmas one year, so I'm like... Nick will know what that is. Next slide. What is this? Next slide. Good guess. Very nice. Next slide. This one's harder. It's kind of cheap. It's kind of cheap, actually. Next slide. Potatoes. It had the background as part of the... I hate when they do that. Next slide. This is the last one. Nice. Next slide. Chris, what's your point? Here's my point. If you're frustrated this morning at any point in your life, it's because you're zoomed in way too close. You're zoomed in way too close. Have you ever seen some of these pictures that look like chaotic and fuzzy? Has anybody ever had a chaotic and fuzzy part of their life before? It's because you're zoomed in way too close. Zoom out. Zoom out. What's the major things of Christianity? Who do you say that Jesus is? What's your belief on the death and resurrection of Christ? Are you choosing a lifestyle based on the principles of Jesus? That's what matters. If you're frustrated or stressed or anxious this morning, number one, this, the Word of God says God doesn't give us a spirit of fear. So my first thought is where is it coming from? And zoom out. Zoom out. We can't focus on our big picture purpose if we're so zoomed in that we're, fo that we're stressed on every single little thing. Does that make sense? Would you agree that Brian and Michelle having a baby girl, they can't really focus on enjoying what a parent looks like if they're stressed about every dirty diaper, every single amount of lost sleep. Yes, there's going to be stress. Would you agree in life there's going to be stress, there's going to be anxiety, there's going to be things, but you are given a choice whether to zoom in on that and let that control your actions and your attitude, or if you zoom out and do what Philippians 4, 6 says, and don't be anxious about anything. 
But in prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which guards your heart and mind in Christ Jesus, will protect you, will guard you. But you've got to choose to zoom out. It's our choice. We can't focus on our purpose if we're so zoomed in. America's status quo zooms in on every little thing. Every little thing, man. They, they nitpick every single thing. Our goal should be to discover our purpose, major on the majors, and chase down that which we're called to accomplish. And don't get distracted by every little thing. There's so many scripture verses on that. Here, here's just a simple statement. Zooming in creates stress. Zooming out eliminates stress. It's oversimplified, but if we would just live a little bit more by that, we live with a lot less stress. Quit zooming in on every little thing. What does 1 Corinthians, Corinthians 13, 7 say? Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Those four words, are those positive or negative? Bears, believes, hopes, and endures. And, and some of you may go, oh, they're negative, I'm enduring now. That's true, but you know what enduring is telling you? This is not the end. That's what the word endure means. Endure means keep it up, because this is not the end of your story. Here's kind of an example, and I read this in a book called The 4-8 Principle, and I love this example. You're in traffic in the morning, you're on your way to work, somebody cuts you off. What is the normal, stick to the status quo, what, 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 what does culture do when somebody cuts you off? Let's be honest here, all right? Let's take off the church lens for a minute. What, what are we doing? Oops, I'm sorry. Here, here's what we do. We zoom in. We zoom in. I know why they did that. They know that I'm on my way to work. They know my car. They know my license plate number. And they did that on purpose. You know, that's good. You know what the 4 principle says? Zoom out. What does it hurt to assume the best in that situation? What is it... Would you be a little more okay with them cutting you off if you knew that they were, had a pregnant lady in there that's on the way to the hospital to have a baby? Would you be a little more okay? Maybe they could have done it better, but would you be a little more okay? Why, you don't really know why they cut you off. Let me just bring it me. I don't know why they cut me off. So I have a choice in that moment based on the third of the three majors if I'm letting my life live by the principles of Christ and the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I can choose whether or not to zoom out and assume the best instead of assuming the worst. Does that idea of zooming in, zooming out make sense? So when everybody around you is freaking out over the little things in life, let me challenge you, don't get caught up in their drama. Zoom out. you got a purpose, and you don't have the time to argue and whine about little insignificant things that have no eternal value. Point number two. And by the way, before we go into zoom in, zoom out, zooming out says the death and resurrection of Christ should affect our attitudes and our behaviors in every area. That's part of zooming out. The resurrection of Christ means he's alive. You could pull the whole God is watching card. I think of MJ's story. Okay, sorry, I got, I got to tell this. <laughs> I, would have, I would have MJ tell it, but I want the recording to hear this. So, so MJ was talking to Ryder the other day, and, and she's like, Ryder, go pee. Mom, I did. Ryder, go use the bathroom. I did. Ryder, go to bed. He goes to bed. Finally, she's like, Ryder, now get up and go use the restroom. I already did, but I'll go. So he walks in there, and she's like, Ryder, Jesus is watching. And what did that little smart kid say? 
well, then he should have told you that I went the first time. <laughs> Train up a child in the way they should go, and in the end, they're going to burn you. <laughs> Number two. Number two. What's the danger of majoring on minors? Number two, we cannot love and appreciate other people. Let's be perfectly honest for a minute. Remember, no church face. When we focus on the little things, who are they about? Me. Me. Because if they didn't affect me, I wouldn't be worried. Right? Now, one little addendum that I do want to add. There, if the little thing affects your purpose, then it's going to frustrate you because there's an injustice that should be rectified. Does that make sense? Like Pastor Mark's talked about freedom before. Every little thing that affects our freedom ticks him off. And that's not a little thing. That's part of his under, I believe that's part of his purpose. Does that make sense? So some of the little things that aggravate you now, with myself, sometimes I let those little things that are part of my purpose still hijack my emotions, right? And I can still kind of get up in arms. But is it easy to say that when we're focused on ourselves, we're going back to Colossians, by the way, is it easy to say that when we're focused on ourselves, we're not exactly focused on other people? Um, scientifically, I read this recently, um, the idea of multitasking is scientifically impossible. The brain can only have one thought consciously at a time. Now, some of you may say, well, it jumps from one to the next, but that's exactly what it does. Your brain can only hold on to one thought at a time. So you know one of the things I teach the teenagers and I teach some of the leadership of MSP and different stuff is replacement thinking, reframing taking a negative thought, replacing it. That's the whole point of Philippians 4, through 4, 8, is whatsoever things are good and pleasing and true and lovely, think on these things. You notice what Paul didn't say? I sure wish you could think on these things, but you don't have the power. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> That's an imperative statement. Somebody who's an, who likes English, tell me what an imperative statement is. It's a command. Think on these things. If we're focused on ourselves, it is literally scientifically impossible to think about the other person. But here, let's flip it around. Here's the cool part. When we're, zoomed, when we're zoomed out and we're thinking about them, it is literally, scientifically impossible to worry and stress about ourselves. So how do I get rid of some worry and stress? Zoom out, think about someone else, and then your stress level will automatically go down. That make sense? It's hard for us to do because we want to stick to the status quo, right? Like the resurrection doesn't control our lives. Social media controls our lives. Or our friends control our lives. Or my, my text messages. Like it's funny, we beat up social media, but I think text messages are more dangerous than social media because we let one little word in a text or somebody used caps and all of a sudden our emotions are totally hijacked and we're gone. You know how to do that? Zoom out. Focus on loving and appreciating them. Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. I love this. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, you must also do. But above all, above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Here's what I'm going to challenge you. If you ask me what your calling from God is, I'm going to point you here and say, start here, and God may reveal it to you from there. God may reveal it to you from there. Does it make sense that if we major on minors, it's very hard to do these things? 
It's very hard to do these things when we're focused on the small, insignificant, minor things of life. The death and resurrection of Christ should be our guiding light in every single thing we do. I heard this quote that was amazing, and it has to do with marriage, but I want you to see the principle behind it. Your husband only has so much mental energy. It's Terry Brady, a lady speaking to other wives. She said, your husband only has so much mental energy. He can either spend it fighting with you or fighting for your family's future. So as a couple, you can either spend time fighting with each other or fighting for your family's future. It's still the one thought. It's still the one thought. Are the principles of Christ ruling our lives? Are we majoring on the majors? Number three, this is the one I really wanted to focus on and get to. The biggest danger of majoring on the minors is we are no different than anybody else. And that scares me to death. It scares me to death that our divorce rate in the church is just as high as it is in the world. It scares me to death that people can't tell the difference between a Christian in the workplace and somebody who doesn't know Christ in the workplace. It scares me to death that my attitude and my behaviors don't reflect Christ like other people's don't reflect Christ. The scary part is when we put away the creme brulee because it doesn't look like everybody else. And we stick with what society tells us we should be focusing on. That scares me. The death, and I'm going to repeat myself again and again, the death and resurrection of Christ is what sets us apart from everybody else. You realize it's a little goofy in the world world out there to think that somebody raised from the dead? Like, to them, it's just weird. You know we're kind of called to be weird? What is weird? It's not like them. That's what we're called to be. It scares me to think that my lifestyle is just like someone else's. And if somebody comes in in a crowd of 10 people that they couldn't choose, that I follow Christ. That scares me. If we choose to to model our lives after the principles and commands of Christ, then our lifestyle will be different. Here's my key point, and I think I'll put it up there. If there is no difference between my lifestyle, my choices, my attitudes, my thought patterns, and the fruit and the results of my life, and anybody else, can I truly say that Jesus is my Lord? He may be my Savior. I may be going to heaven. You know, I, I love some of the old hymns, and in a second ago, and in a minute, I'm not going to lead at the end, we're going to do two, two worship videos. And one of them is an old hymn called Crown Him with Many Crowns. And I love the song. It's been added to a little bit, a chorus added to it by Chris Tomlin. But I love some of the old hymns that have to do with who Christ is, his death, his resurrection. But there are some songs, older and newer, that focus on minimizing what we're called to do. Just get me into a little corner of heaven. I'm good. Let me just skate into heaven. I want Jesus to be my Savior so I escape hell, but I don't want him to affect my life. The death and the resurrection of Christ, if you commit your life to Christ, is central. Chris, you're repeating yourself. I know, because I think sometimes we still don't get it. It's central to our choices, our behaviors, our attitudes. If we believe that and are focusing our life on following those things, we will be different. So I'm just going to ask you, do you see yourself different? John 14, 15, if you love me, Obey my commands. And you, you know what's funny? I don't even think at that specific moment, I, in context, I don't know that he was talking about the small commands. 
I think he's just saying, for the love of goodness, listen to what I'm saying and just go do it. <laughs> like, just listen to what I'm saying and go do it. Like, you see how I'm living? You live. Like, like do this. And here's something else I want to say, just as kind of a clarification too. If you're early in your walk of Christ with Christ, I totally understand that your lifestyle is not going to be totally different than everybody else. The word sanctification means growing and being made like Jesus over time. So if you're early in your walk, I'm not expecting people to be able to point you out of a crowd. But let me challenge you with this. It shouldn't take decades. It shouldn't take years for somebody to notice the difference. I've known people who got saved and they either threw something in the trash or they're, they're, they were different instantly. If, if there have been years since you committed your life to Christ and there's no change, I'm just going to challenge that maybe you should look internally a little bit. Is the death and resurrection of Christ a major for you? Who do you say Jesus is? Is he your Savior or is he your Lord? So let's, let's kind of end by reviewing these one more time. Who do you say that I am? Because again, some of these claims... Who do you say that I am? I think I've got one more scripture up there. Do I? Yep, I do. We're going we're gonna to end with that in a minute. Who do you say that Jesus is? The death and the resurrection of Christ, what do you believe? And are you intentionally taking the principles of Christ and basing your life, your attitudes, your actions, your behaviors on the principles of Christ? Colossians chapter 3, verses 15 through 17 says this, Let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you deeply or richly. I love that because it does not say, let Carrie Job reside in your heart deeply. I love Carrie Job. I think she's a great worship leader. But would you agree that sometimes we can major on minors and exalt some things in the church world above others? Let the word of Christ dwell in you deeply, richly, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts, O Lord. And one of, my, one of the greatest scripture verses that sums up all of this. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. We're going to, in just a second, I'm going to sum up with one more thing, but then we're going to do two worship songs up here, and I'm going to challenge you to go ahead and stand along with them when we do worship. And then at the end, we're actually going to bring the kids in, and we're going to pray for the kids and the teachers and the parents to begin the school year. We're going to do that after, the, after these songs. But here's, here's something I'm going to tell you. And, and here's, here's kind of where this comes from in me. I'm scared that we're developing generations of theological sages. And what I mean is a whole lot of people who pontificate who they love going on their hills of Facebook and social media or even could be pulpits or whatever else. They love all the little things that may be important over time. But I think sometimes the major things can get swept under the rug. We are not called to have all knowledge. We're called to have all application. You need knowledge. I heard it said one time, if you know and don't do, you don't really know. We need to know the principles of Christ. Base our lives on them. Why? Because of who we say he is. And because he died for us and rose again. 
And our actions from that should show in our lifestyle. So I'm going to pray. And the altars are open during these last two songs, but I wanted to focus our mind and our attention on the big things. And both of these are focused on Him. They're focused on Him. And I challenge you, as soon as the, work, as soon as the music starts, you can stand, you can worship, the altars are open, somebody will pray with you. But here's the main thing. Maybe you're going to tell me this morning, Chris, I really don't know what I believe about who do I say Jesus is or the death and the resurrection of Christ. I really don't know. And that's perfectly acceptable that you don't know because the first step of realizing is realizing that you don't know. If you would like to change that belief system, there are plenty of us up here that can guide you in that way because it's real simple. Do you say that Jesus is Lord of your life? Do you believe that he died and that he rose again? And are you committing to live your life according to his principles? That's the salvation message, guys. And if one of those things you're struggling with, please come talk to me, Pastor Mark, Bill, uh, Steve, one of the staff. We'd love to kind of walk you through that process. But this morning, let's focus on him for just the next 10 minutes or so. So I'm going to pray, and uh, then we'll go. We'll go to the next step. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the provision that you made for reconciliation, for bringing us back into good standing with the Creator God. You created this whole plan, but we don't have to do animal sacrifices anymore. We don't have to do any of these things because the Lamb of God came and took away the sin of the world, died, took all that sin, all of my sin, all of our sin on his shoulders, and he was the ultimate sacrifice for us. But Lord, if the story ended there, it would be depressing because three days later, you conquered death. And the most amazing thing about that for us is that we can now do the same. We commit our lives to you, and when we die one day, we will live forever with you in glory. But Lord, our goal on this earth is to bring people with us. We're not just satisfied to get our little corner of heaven and skate in with you as our Savior. I'm asking that you will be our Lord. Not only because you're worthy of it, but that's how you created us. That's where ultimate satisfaction and fulfillment is found. Not in a bottle, not in pills, not in entertainment, not in a TV screen or social media. Ultimate satisfaction and fulfillment comes from a life that is lived by your principles, for your purposes, for your glory, and you'll make that all for our good. So for the next few minutes, we're spending our lives and our mindsets focused on you. Focused on the majors. Focused on the things that really matter. And then we're going to pray for our kids and our teachers and our parents that are starting this year. Because, Lord, here's the cool part. We focus on the majors. You said in Matthew 6, seek your kingdom first. And you'll take care of all these other external things. So, Lord, right now we seek you first. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.